You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. He's in the building! Brink the moment. Brink it. I said, empty your mind. Coquettish and coy. Ow. Ow. What? There's people that are dying. The wickedly talented. More than great. It was historic. Crack is world. Oh, good for you. I have to apologize. One of the hottest. Hello, and welcome back to The Reheat, a podcast that re-examines the hottest celebrity news and scandals of yesteryear and asks, how would we react to the same events if they transpired today? I'm your co-host, Sadaf Hassan. And I'm your other co-host, Sarah Sahagian. This week, we'll be discussing the woman Sadaf refers to as Hollywood's, quote, poster child for biting the hand that feeds you. It, that's a great line. Obviously, <laughs> we're talking about Katherine Heigl. Sadaf, are you or were you ever a Heigl fan? Okay, listen, besides that line, yes, I have forever been a fan of this woman. So I will take it as far back as the 90s and that amazing TV movie that I don't know if anybody remembers called Wish Upon a Star. It was so good. She was great in it. And then there was Roswell and then she played Little Romy and I loved her in Grey's Anatomy. I have been a fan for a very long time. What about you, Sarah? Yeah, I was a fan. I think that she has a great screen presence. I think she's, I mean, stunningly beautiful. She's a lot of fun to look at. Yeah. I think she can do both comedy and drama, and she can do both TV and movies. She's a very versatile actress, and as we will talk about, she should have been a star in, I think, 99 out of 100 scenarios. She would have been a a huge, huge star. Yeah. But, I mean, Hollywood doesn't really like women with opinions, and arguably some of her opinions were also offensive, and we'll get into that. So let's start at the beginning of Catherine's career, that is. Born in 1978, her childhood was upper middle class and privileged, but also marked by tragedy. When she was eight years old in 1986, Catherine's older brother Jason died of injuries suffered in a car accident while out with his friends. Jason's passing inspired a spiritual journey that saw Catherine's parents convert to Mormonism when she was eight years old. At age nine, Catherine began working as a child model, which led to a national Cheerios commercial and a career as a child actor. There is a theory that big stars have to pay their dues before they can truly shine, and pay them Catherine did. One of her early roles was in the 1994 movie My Father the Hero. In it, the teenage Catherine plays Nicole, the daughter of Gérard Depardieu, a divorced dad who decides to take his daughter on a tropical vacation to make up for his years of neglect. While there, Nicole develops a crush on a boy. To impress her crush, Nicole tells him her father is actually her lover. And because this is a sick, sick movie, Gerard's character goes along with the ruse to help his daughter seduce the boy of her dream. Of course he does. It, It is a weird, disturbing movie. And what makes this comedy even weirder is that Catherine's mother was her manager at the time, and still is. Therefore, her mom okayed an underage child performing in a film that is so inappropriate, it probably wouldn't be made today. Yeah, that's a big yikes for me. (laughs) Catherine worked steadily throughout the 90s and early 00s. She played a hot alien teen on the WB Teen Soap Roswell. She also starred in a slew of made-for-TV movies. In one TV movie, she even portrayed a young Romy in a prequel to Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion. So... Let's discuss the idea of having your mom as your manager. Are people who keep their parents as managers just destined to become hot messes? I mean, we know more bad cases than good, right? But 
Catherine Heigl's career is interesting because she still has her mom by her side, right? And I feel like I've liked her career as it's gone along, minus the many mishaps that have come along. Movies like this, though, putting your very small child in one of them, I just cannot comprehend. But I also wonder if this was like a thing of the time, because this is a very Brooke Shield situation, isn't it? Like, sexualizing your child in hopes of fame. <laughs> I feel like there's so many yeah. stories like that from that era. It's very strange. But it wouldn't happen now, I don't think. Not to that degree, anyway. I don't think so. I mean, and this movie is just wildly inappropriate. Like, the concept, I don't understand who reads the screenplay as like, that's funny. This is a good family movie. And yet I did watch it with my parents because it was marketed you as a, did? it was marketed as a family movie. So as a little girl, oh, I watched God. this with my family. And I think my my parents were hoping it went over our heads because, I, you know, it was not marketed as some sort of sick, seedy sex movie. <laughs> You know what? It actually makes me like Catherine even more, just knowing that she has this very sketchy history. And I'm not surprised as far as Sherard goes. That doesn't shock me. No, it, I'm not surprised. He has very low standards. Isn't he that celebrity who tried to pee on a plane, like in the aisle and got kicked off? I want to see us. I, I think that happened. Us. He had some plane incident. That happened yeah. to him. So, I mean, he, he has his demons, and I guess they led him to decide to be in this movie, despite the <laughs> fact that at the time he had a lot of other options. He was a huge star. So, Catherine was a working actor, but she didn't become a star until a young Shonda Rhimes cast her as a surgical intern on an ABC mid-season replacement called Grey's Anatomy. Grey's premiered in 2005, and it quickly became a hit. And despite starting out as the third female lead, Catherine was one of the show's breakout stars. Her portrayal of lingerie model-turned-surgeon Izzy Stevens was remarkably nuanced. In one of the first episodes, fellow intern Alice Karev covers the intern's locker room with photocopies of a lingerie spread Izzy did to pay her medical school tuition. In response to the revenge porn-esque misogynistic prank, Izzy strips in the change room while delivering one of the most powerful anti-slut-shaming speeches ever seen on network TV. What are these? Oh my God, breasts. How does anybody practice medicine holding these things around? And what do we got back here? Let's see if I remember my anatomy. Glutes, right? Let's study them. Shall we gather around and check out the booty that put Izzy Stevens through med school? Have you had enough or should I continue? Because I have a few more very interesting tattoos. You want to call me Dr. Model? That's fine. Just remember that while you're sitting on 200 grand of student loans, I'm out of debt. That is one of my favorite moments of all time. Like, I can remember it so well in my head. And then also the moment when she's in that dress with Denny and just the entire epic that was Denny. I can't ever mm-hmm. forget it. I think it was because listen, this is one of the last shows we had that was appointment viewing and especially yeah. during that period, she was in primetime grays. Like that's when it was really fucking good and juicy. Mm-hmm. And she was one of the best characters. I think that's because she's always been so charming. She feels mm-hmm. very relatable, but there's also just something about watching her on screen. I might be in a minority when I say this because I've been a fan of hers for a while, but I just think she's so incandescent on the screen. Like there's something about her that something genuine really comes through and that was the case with this character um, who was just so fun to watch and she gets to have all these amazing speeches and moments and I don't know, I just really enjoyed this character a lot and I was really sad when she left the show too, which I know has other Mm -hmm. things to it that we'll get into, but I loved her as Izzy. What about you? I loved her and she had 
the distinction, the rare distinction of having some of the funniest lines and some of the most dramatic moments. Like yeah. she had a range that, I mean, Sandra O oh has that range. Chandra Wilson has that range. I love Ellen Pompeo, but she doesn't have that range and she was she does the lead. Not. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> She's not she does funny. Not. <laughs> like, whereas Catherine was very conventionally beautiful and could just do any scene you gave her, which is, I think, one of the reasons she became a star. Also, her facial expressions, she's such a good face actor. Like, you can, she contains multitudes. Like, you look at her and you're like, this picture really does contain a thousand words. Like, she is great and she has amazing chemistry with any love interest you give her. Yeah, that's a good point. Her and Karev, I... As they say, shipped that for quite me some too. Time, I was right? so excited when Denny died Oof. because I was like, now Oof. she'll get together with Alex. I was not excited when Denny died, <laughs> but that's a separate conversation. I was devastated. But I mean, that's the other thing. Like, I sobbed hardcore to the scene. I haven't done that a lot when it comes to primetime TV. And this was probably like the last big one for me. But also, lest we forget, this is a woman who we watched have ghost sex with the ghost <laughs> of Denny. Like a season later, maybe a few seasons later. I don't uh, even remember. Uh, yeah, a few did she, later, but it did she sell it? I mean, I think she did a better job than most could, g- given the material that she was given, which again, we will get into. <laughs> Not many actresses would do that. And she did it really well, I thought. Yeah, I, I mean, one of the few actresses I can think who's as game as she is and will like commit as hard to ridiculous stuff as she will to well-written stuff is actually Kaylee Cuoco. <laughs> Oh, well, that's another actress who I love, who I think has really kind of been giving the short end of the straw or whatever you say. Like, she deserves better as well, in my opinion. Another child actor. And I think one thing with child actors who make it and stay stay committed is that they will commit to their role, right? Like, it is a job. Uh, True. Like she, and I think Catherine is a professional. Like, you give her a script, even if she's like, this is the worst thing I've ever read, she will yeah. act like, she will act circles around anyone else you have to give that script to. So, too, yeah. For Catherine, TV stardom led to movie stardom. When Anne Hathaway turned down the lead in filmmaker Judd Apatow's hyped-up comedy, Knocked Up, Catherine snagged the role. The 07 film saw her play Allison, an on-air entertainment reporter who gets pregnant after a one-night stand with a slacker stoner named Ben, who is played by Seth Rogen. The two decide to raise the baby together, and hilarity ensues. Knocked Up was a mega hit that earned $219 million at the U.S. box office, a rare feat for an R-rated movie. Even more remarkable was that a few months later, Catherine won the 2007 Emmy for Best Supporting Actress in a Drama for her work on Grey's Anatomy. It was also her first nomination. Uh, my own mother told me I didn't have a shot in hell of winning tonight, so I really (laughs) don't have anything prepared. She's a really big supporter. She does love me. Um, <laughs> um, I just, I'll try to get through this quickly. This is, this is my dream come true. I've been doing this uh, for 17 years, and um, people don't count because I started when I was a kid, but I count it because I've worked my ass off. Um, and, and the people that I was just, the people that I was nominated with, um, you are the most inspiring, talented, phenomenal women. I'm so honored to just be among you. 
Can I just say, like, I remember watching that with my dad, who had never watched an episode of Grey's, never watched Catherine anything, but was, like, so taken with her speech and was like, she's one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen. She looks like a classic Hollywood actress. She's amazing. <laughs> I always think of that. Make of that what you will. But she's great for dads, evidently. <laughs> well, she, I would even go beyond that. I think she looks like a Renaissance oil painting. <laughs> She kind of, she does have that appeal. She really does. Like, she is so stunningly beautiful, so effervescent as well. And that's a very gracious speech. Like, she actually, you could tell she's delighted to have won, but really is honored to have been nominated with the people she was nominated with, one of whom was Sandra Oh, um, you know, who is a favorite at the reheat. So you can tell why everyone after that win thought she was just, it was destined she was going to be the next big star. Because that yeah. was one of the better moments of, of that night. I remember yeah. watching that awards ceremony and it did feel magical and thrilling. So after her Emmy win, Catherine was presumed to be the next Julia Roberts, an actress who was adept at both comedy and drama, could headline hit movies, and still managed to bring home industry awards. In 2008, Catherine's 27 Dresses director, Anne Fletcher, told Vanity Fair, quote, she has the it factor. You can't buy it. You can't learn it. You can't create it. It just is. We haven't had one of her in many years. Julia Roberts, Sandra Bullock, Meg Ryan, those have been our go-to girls for romantic comedy for a very long time, but we haven't had a new one, end quote. There was just one obstacle standing between Catherine and a lifetime of superstardom. She had opinions. In the same Vanity Fair profile where Anne Fletcher declared her the next big thing, Catherine shared some criticisms of Knocked Up, the project that made her a movie star, referring to the film as, quote, a little sexist. Catherine added, quote, it paints the women as shrews, as humorless and uptight, and it paints the men as lovable, goofy, fun-loving guys. It exaggerated the characters, and I had a hard time with it on some days. I'm playing such a bitch. Why is she being such a killjoy? Why is this how you're portraying women? 98% of the time, it was an amazing experience, but it was hard for me to love the movie. End quote. In 2009, Howard Stern asked Seth and Judd about the comments on his radio show, and instead of being self-aware and entertaining the idea that their movie might have been a little sexist, they took aim at Catherine's new movie, The Ugly Truth. Seth sarcastically said the romantic comedy where Heigl wears a pair of vibrating underwear in one scene, quote, sounds like it really puts women on a pedestal, end quote. And that's a perfect example of whataboutism, in my opinion. Actually, I remember when this happened. This was such a fucking debacle, and I really hated the way that she was torn apart for it. And then not defended at all by the people that she worked with, which is so upsetting to me, because Mm -hmm. she was great in that movie. She was great in Knocked Up. But I, you know, I think a lot of us have taken jobs that maybe we didn't totally agree with, but we did it because it was crucial to our career or getting to the next step or whatever. A lot of people are in that position, and I don't fault her for taking it. So I, but I mean, because I think that's the one part where this gets tricky, where you can mm-hmm. easily say, well, why did you take the role? But it was mm-hmm. so huge for her. And again, she was so good at it, but she is so not wrong. Every criticism she made is 100,000% accurate. And somebody needed to say it about that fucking era of um, Judd Apatow movies, one mm-hmm. after another. We still get them here and there, and they're all the same. And by the way, I enjoy some of them, but like they have a real woman problem and no one mm-hmm. was saying it. Now everybody would say it. This is a woman who was built for now. She was not built for even 10 years ago. It's sad. It's true. And it's funny because a few years later, 
Seth Rogen's wife told him the same thing. Like, yeah. can you make a yes. movie where you don't have a Killjoy wife? Um, and then he did, and that's why he did Neighbors. And you have that famous fight that he has with Rose Byrne where they fight over who gets to be the Kevin James in their marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she's like, I also want to be goofy and have fun. I don't want to be responsible. Like, stop it. Stop making me this shrew. Yeah. Um, and so eventually the tide turned and everyone realized she was right. And there is now a consensus that this era for women in comedy was pretty bleak. Also, if she wanted to get into movie comedy, what else was she supposed to do? There weren't yeah. great roles for women in comedy. These two owned that sphere. Yeah, and she didn't have the money yet to produce her own projects. So to say, like, she just shouldn't have taken the jobs, like, I know some people will say that, but, like, then what job should she take? Yeah. There weren't other roles. There weren't a lot of empowering roles. And I'm glad she took the job. I would say she should still take that job if the same situation happened now. It's great that she did it. And then I'm also glad because it gave her a platform to also then criticize it, which might sound a little backwards, but sometimes mm -hmm. that's the way you have to operate in Hollywood. And I want to add, I do love Seth Rogen, who I think is really amazing and a really great writer. And we've seen his work improve, and that's probably because he's taken suggestions like this. Now he creates really great roles for women. I mean, mm -hmm. look at Longshot. What an amazing role for Charlize Theron. So he's getting there, and that only happens because people speak up and because she spoke up. I'm just really infuriated that it took a chorus of people to back her up, and she couldn't have made enough of a difference then. That's disgusting. Yeah, absolutely. So Catherine also wasn't afraid to speak her mind when it came to Grey's Anatomy, her steady TV gig. In 2006, Isaiah Washington, the actor who portrayed Dr. Burke, allegedly referred to gay actor T.R. Knight with the anti-gay outboard, which is horrifying. Yeah. While T.R. Knight is vehement that this exchange did take place, Washington insisted it never happened. Heigl criticized Washington for this statement, publicly denying his hate speech, so she was on team, it happened. She told Access Hollywood, quote, I don't think Washington means it the way he comes off. Um, Catherine added, but T.R. Knight is my best friend. I will always use every ounce of energy I have to take you down if you hurt his feelings. So she came to his defense, which I think is admirable if like somebody you love and work with is called yes. a, a gay slur at their place of work or anywhere. Yeah. She did what nobody did for her and she did it when it mattered even more. So. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Publicly taking sides in a workplace conflict isn't the best strategy for self-preservation, but I do think standing up for a colleague who was bullied for being gay is a look that's aged really well on Heigl. And I think yeah. she deserves more praise for that, um, especially because mm -hmm. he was not one of the show's bigger stars. So, it, you know, if somebody had said something horrible to Ellen Pompeo, you could say it would be in your interest in, to do, to, to defend True. her, but, or, you know, Patrick Dempsey. But Tierney was really probably one of the least famous people in a major role in that show. So I think it speaks well of her that she stuck her neck out and took a risk to support him. In the same 2008 VF piece where she called out sexism and knocked up, Catherine lamented the direction her character, Izzy Stevens, was going in Grey's Anatomy. She told the magazine, quote, I don't really know Izzy very well right now. She's changed a lot. I'm trying to figure her out and keep her real, end quote. Catherine also referred to the decision to have Izzy pursue an affair with George, her married best friend, as a, quote, ratings ploy. Ultimately, Catherine felt Izzy, who once used a multi-million dollar inheritance to start a free clinic, making her the moral center of the show, was inconsistent with the character she used to be. And I don't think that's wrong. 
No. Actually. Yeah. Um, a few months later, Catherine famously withdrew herself from contention at the 2008 Emmy Awards. Her official statement read, I did not feel that I was given the material this season to warrant an Emmy nomination, and in an effort to maintain the integrity of the Academy organization, I withdrew my name from contention. So, I mean, that that's full of shade, that, that statement. Yeah, that's throwing the grenade. Yeah. Is it ever okay to speak this way about the show that made you? Even if you were making a point that, you know, was somewhat valid and your character had gone in this weird way, is it okay to be this, I, I mean, to be this offensive about your show and to belittle it? Uh, it's a good question. And listen, I've spent years thinking about this, but I feel like it's totally fine. And listen, I wouldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have done it because she was also early in her career. And mm-hmm. knowing myself, I would be a little bit too afraid also to kind of ruffle feathers with the status quo. But this is a white woman who was already being awarded. So she mm-hmm. was in a good position to do it. Relatively speaking, um, I will always stand by her for speaking up because here's the thing. Grey's Anatomy has become trash. I'm so sorry for anybody who's listening and still really loves it, but it's a fact. (laughs) That doesn't mean it's not enjoyable. But she spoke out when I think someone needed to say something and it still didn't help the writing. (laughs) The writing has just gone further down the drain. And even like the, the moment when Izzy starts going after George, for me, that was the jumping of the shark. Like it was just ludicrous. So Mm -hmm. she was right on. I was like, okay, at least somebody is acknowledging this. Um, And I think there is something to be said when you're having to promote material and parade yourself around as deserving of an award for something you don't even agree with. Mm -hmm. I think if she had quietly withdrawn herself, there's Mm -hmm. still, people would have still asked questions. I'm pretty sure press would have been like, what's going on here? Because she was already... considered a lock for a nomination. So she kind of, I guess you could say she had to make a statement, but I don't know. She went pretty hard. Sarah, would you have done this? Well, I probably would have affected a more diplomatic tone because I don't like conflict. (laughs) Yes, same, same. (laughs) And I really don't like confrontation on a national or international scale. Um, But She's not wrong about her critiques of the show. That character in particular, the things they wrote for her to do were completely nonsensical. And she kind of acknowledges it in the VF piece where they need to make money. It's a business enterprise. Once a show becomes a hit show and you you have a crew of people who are dependent on it for their living and you have a whole cast of people who are dependent on it. And the writers, you need to keep it afloat. But doing 22 or 24 episodes a season, it's really hard to keep a show good for more than a couple of years, which is why British shows have like six episodes a season and they last for three years or two years or one year. Genius. It's because TV is probably the hardest medium to write for and to write consistently good stories. And network TV is particularly difficult to write for. It's just you're expected to produce so much material. So I I don't think the fact that the writing was bad made the writers bad. I mean, I... people could have maybe tried a little bit harder than some of the things they gave. I think the writers are not great. I think they're not. But you know what? Like, now we know what the Shonda Rhimes empire is. And by the way, Shonda, great, genius, amazing. Yeah, absolutely. But what she produces are soap operas, right? Like, they're primetime soaps. And so we can say that now because we have a pattern to look Mm -hmm. at. But at that time... 
Grey's was kind of billed as like the new ER, but it is so far from ER. I don't hate mm-hmm. me, but you know, ER is a show that had dignity. That's not what this show is. So, well, the first two seasons did, but they I did. Think they we were, were beautiful all fooled because it. It debuted as a mid-season replacement, so they didn't have a lot of episodes. So it almost felt like a British show, yeah, right? Yeah. And that ending where Kate Walsh just says, you're the woman who's screwing my husband. And we're all like, oh my God, the show lied to us the entire time. It was an unreliable narrator. Yeah. Wow. Right? Yes. It just blew your mind. And then when they had to produce 24 episodes a season, they're like, fuck, that's a lot harder. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. How, do we, how do you do prestige TV with 24 episodes a season? The answer is you exactly. don't. And you make exactly. it a soap opera. <laughs> exactly. That's it. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Shonda Rhimes has employed countless people because of that decision. She's capable of doing prestige TV and she chooses not to. And that's okay, right? Like that is fine. She is excellent at the genre she has adopted. Yeah, get money. And also listen, plenty of people love this. So like, it's fine. But Katherine Heigl probably will never do something like this again, is my guess. Yeah. Although what she's doing now isn't better. Well, when I say not doing something like this, I mean 24 episodes of it, but yeah. we will get back to yeah. that. You yeah. can have bad writing for a limited series, too. Yeah, uh, that's the thing. Okay. So, Kevin Heigl would leave the show two years later after her comments about, you know, withdrawing from the Emmys because she thought her show was bad or her part was bad. But the memory of her comments clearly lingered on Grey's creator and show-running superstar Shonda Rhimes. In 2012, Rhimes told Oprah herself, Quote, on some level, it stung. And on some level, I was not surprised. When people show you who they are, believe them. End quote. Rhymes took another swipe at Heigl in 2014, telling The Hollywood Reporter, quote, I don't put up with bullshit or nasty people. I don't have time for it. There are no Heigls in this situation. End quote. Yeah, pretty pointed. This really means something since even Isaiah Washington was eventually invited to reprise his role as Dr. Burke to help wrap up Christina Yang's storyline when Sandra Oh left Grey's in 2014. So like the fact that she's like, I think Catherine is worse than this man who uses Gaislers on Slat suggests maybe something else happened behind the scenes. I don't know. Or or just Catherine's comments really did feel like a huge betrayal. Yeah. Former co-star Ellen Pompeo also alluded to Catherine in her 2013 interview for the New York Post, um, where she attempted to explain the many departures and conflicts the series has seen over the years. She said, quote, hurt feelings combined with instant success and huge paychecks started things spinning out of control. Based on the level of vitriol, do we think that there had to be more bad behavior on Catherine's part behind the scenes? Or do we think her comments really were hurtful enough to make enemies of her colleagues? Like, should they get over it? Or do we think they're justified in continuing to hate Catherine? I mean, we know over the years, so many of these stars from Grey's, including Ellen Pompeo, have said that it's a toxic place and that co- mm-hmm. co-stars, producers, writers, there has always been infighting. It doesn't sound mm-hmm. like a great place to work unless you're Ellen Pompeo. Um, so it's very likely that there was other shit happening with Catherine behind the scenes. But I also feel like she's somebody who's always really owned up to that. I mean, mm-hmm. she's been pretty verbal in public too. So what's really left to hide? I think I don't know. I I really struggle. This is where I get stuck with Shonda bringing Isaiah back on. That's Mm -hmm. where I get. I have a really hard time with that. So I do wonder if there's something that we don't know about. But really, what could that be? Because what is worse than what Isaiah did? I don't 
really know. And why wouldn't they tell us? And why wouldn't they tell us? We need, we're waiting for a tell-all that we're probably never going to get. Mm-hmm. But... And we consider the bad behavior that Ellen Pompeo we now know of on set where they got Denzel Washington to direct an episode and she got into a shouting match yeah. with him because she didn't like his direction. Like, yeah. this is a set where a lot of people have done some really egregious things, but the only person you consistently hear being criticized is Catherine. So that's interesting to me because it seems like no one is on their best behavior when it comes to this set. I think that, but first of all, was so egregious because also, hello, it's Denzel Washington. I mean, my God. And second of all, I think Catherine is a really easy person for them to just lump everything onto because the fact that people are even still talking about it years after it happened, I just don't really get it. In some ways... It feels a little bit like the Amber Heard syndrome, where mm-hmm. we have a woman who looks like this, who's outspoken in this way, in a set where nobody, it seems, was ever going to... Like, it almost was like there was a silent agreement that we don't say anything, we don't talk about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and she did. And so I kind of just wonder if she's always going to be the punching bag for all of that. I personally, in my heart, believe that there is nothing much more to it. I mm-hmm. really do think that she's just become that target. But I could be totally wrong. Um, or she could have done something something that for some unknown reason they will never tell us what it was but it was appalling and if we ever found out we too would hate Catherine forever like that's also a possibility but I find it hard to believe they wouldn't leak it if that were true yeah I mean we know that there's been rumors especially over the last year that she couldn't work with Shonda or Shonda couldn't work with her or whatever. But again, there were contentious relationships on the entire set. Nothing mm-hmm. to me forgives bringing Isaiah back. Yeah. And I think the other thing is, listen, none of these people are as, as um, perfect or interesting or great as we would like to think. Shonda might be an amazing boss who's doing all these amazing things and putting these great shows out there, but she can also do something like that. So, And Katherine Heigl, unfortunately, can also maybe be not so great to work with. It's all possible. Mm -hmm. So I just hate to accept that, but it could, it's possible. And like, listen, on all sorts of hit shows, we hear stories like this. Shannon Doherty, um, the cast of Glee when they were young, especially when you take a group of young people and you make them rich and famous. um, A lot of young people are not equipped with the maturity to handle that well. And she was pretty young. I think we forget that she was in her 20s. So, like, she was experienced as an actor, but she did not have a lot of, like, life experience. Yeah. And Shonda was very young to be so successful as a showrunner. Like, this was a group of very young people who became way more successful than they ever thought they would be at this point in their lives. Yeah. So who knows if they had the wisdom to handle it the way they would handle it today or not. Who knows? So was Catherine successful post-Grays? Well, the answer to that question depends on how you define success. She and her husband, Josh Kelly, have been married for 15 years. They share three adorable children, and the family spends much of their time on an idyllic ranch in Utah that constitutes true real estate porn. But career-wise, things haven't been golden. They haven't even been bronze. The infamous statements Hegel made in 2008 were enough to have her labeled difficult and ungrateful, effectively derailing her come up. Here's just some of the headlines that sprinkled the tabloids at the time. Quote, how Katherine Heigl became so hated in Hollywood. Why Hollywood canceled Katherine Heigl almost overnight. How not to ruin your career with lessons from Katherine Heigl. 
While Heigl's earlier rom-coms like 27 Dresses, The Ugly Truth, and my personal favorite, Life as We Know It, were watchable and profitable at the box office, roles dried up when Catherine was labeled hard to work with. Consequently, the 2010s were full of movies you wouldn't even watch while aboard an airplane. Remember Killers, the spy comedy she made co-starring Ashton Kutcher? Neither does anyone else. (laughs) In 2014, Katherine Heigl addressed the rumors about being difficult and rude to work with on The Meredith Vieira Show. I don't have to think about it. I'm not a rude person. I'm not an unkind or mean person. I would never go out of my way or consciously try to hurt anyone's feelings or, or make them feel bad or uncomfortable or not be professional and do my job. I like my job. Um, but I will continue to stand up for myself and I'm never going to stop, you know, stop standing up for my right to be heard, my right to be treated respectfully and professionally in return. Um, my right to draw boundaries. I, I am a strong woman, and I'm not going to apologize for that. And I'm not going to on behalf of my daughters, and I'm not going to on behalf of all of you sitting in the audience. We should all have the right, the, the basic human right, to say, hey, no, I'm sorry, I'm not, okay. I'm not comfortable with that. I don't mm-hmm. like that. Like, this is not okay for me. Catherine's statement was one that just three years later in the era of Me Too could have likely gone viral and been lauded in think pieces for women's magazines. But it didn't salvage her career. After a series of box office disappointments, including Jenny's wedding, the big wedding, and an unscary psychological drama called Unforgettable, Catherine decided to return home to TV with State of Affairs. So she executive produced and starred in the drama, and it premiered on NBC in 2014. If production values alone determined a show's success, it would have been a monster hit. State of Affairs is about Catherine's character, Charleston, stupid name, um, a CIA (laughs) agent who was engaged to the president's son until he was murdered. Charleston is now on a mission to end the lives of the villains who took the love of her life. As an added bonus, Elfrey Woodard plays the president. Yes, in Catherine's version of America in 2014, a racialized woman got to be commander-in-chief, and it's a glorious thing to watch. I personally couldn't really get into it. It was missing something for me, but I would have watched it anyway because I love her. But I do think it was a lot of women. <laughs> it was just a lot of women. <laughs> that was not something that was going to gel with people at the time because mm-hmm. of what her reputation was at the time. I also feel like there wasn't much marketing for it either. Like, there wasn't really much of a push. Mm. She really had... An era there where she tried every fucking thing she could on TV and it was no one was going to take it up. And it was hard to watch because I also think at that point she probably wanted to play the lead and that was a Mm non-negotiable. But it didn't seem like maybe that was something that she could pull off in terms of actually having viewers, which makes me sad because every rom-com she did... I live for it and I can watch it hundreds and hundreds of times. And she led all of those and she was amazing in them. So what do you think, Sarah? Why couldn't she just make it on TV at that time? I think that what you said about there being, like it just being too woman-centric is right on the money. I think the idea of, okay, here's the the spy is the woman, the James Bond character, the Jack Ryan character is the woman. And the person she has the biggest bond with in this show is her would-be mother-in-law who is a woman president. Yeah. And she's a black woman president. And her fiancé gets fridged, which is something that usually (laughs) happens to women. And now she's going to, like, she's going to take in style, go get revenge, (laughs) right? Like, it's so cool. (laughs) Like, if you describe the concept, you're like, I'm in. I want to see this. This is so feminist. Like, yes, Mainstream TV should do more of this, like awesome rules for women. Uh, 
But I guess it was just a little bit too much for 2014, where we're like, we don't want women to be that empowered. That's too empowered. I think so. And I do think you're right, too, though, that she was a little bit typecast. I mean, she was doing the rom-com thing by day, and she was Mm -hmm. killing it there. But then here she is trying to get us to see her as this high-powered person. And I'm saying that as if that's hard to buy. It wasn't for me, but clearly it was for a lot of people. I think people had run dry on her a little bit, which is one of the most unfortunate things about Hollywood, right? Like, there is such a thing as overexposure. And if you're doing a show like Grey's Anatomy and you're also really outspoken and Mm -hmm. you're also winning awards, like, you're in people's faces. And so there is a question of that, too. It all sucks. She was ahead of her time in just so many ways. That's all I feel. That's my number one thing. She really was. And if she'd made the show today, it probably would have been for a streaming service. And so it likely would have fared better. Um, Network TV is historically very conservative. It it still is. And some streaming services are too. But I just feel like she was a few years too early on almost everything she said or did. Um, I agree. Which like is impressive. It speaks well of her. She's very innovative. Like she did things before other people thought to do them, but it hasn't paid off for her. Yes, exactly. So while she presented as confident to the world, behind the scenes, being a Hollywood pariah was difficult for Catherine. In a January 2021 profile for the Washington Post, she said that as her career plateaued after she left Grays, her anxieties grew to the point she was scaring her family. She said, quote, the more I said I was sorry, the more they wanted it. The more terrified and scared I was of doing something wrong, the more I came across like I had really done something horribly wrong, end quote. And I think that desire to people please, a lot of women come by that because women are judged so harshly for their mistakes compared to um, straight white men. And I, I can see developing that complex where every time you say something, people interpret it in the least charitable way possible. That's such a heartbreaking quote. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. It's so relatable, though. Yeah, it really is. Like, it shows you how a lot of young women enter the workforce saying, like, I'm strong, I'm confident, I'm going to be, like, I'm going to be in charge, I'm going to be the in charge of my own destiny, and then their spirits get broken by the workplace yeah. because there's so much gender discrimination. Yeah, I'm, like, a decade into my career, and I, you, I would still say something like this. Like, that's what's upsetting. It's yeah. just, I'm glad she said it, though, because... There aren't very many people who would put it this bluntly, especially Mm -hmm. at her level. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. After years of living with anxiety and career disappointments, the spring of 2017 saw the emergence of a more conciliatory Catherine. She went on Howard Stern and actually apologized to Judd Apatow for the 08 interview where she referred to Knocked Up as, quote, a little sexist. She explained, I liked the movie a lot. I just didn't like me. She went on Mm. to describe her complicated feelings about her character, Allison. Quote, she was kind of like, she was so judgmental and kind of uptight and controlling and all these things. I really went with it while we were doing it. And a lot of it, Judd allows everyone to be very free and improvised and whatever. And afterwards, I was like, why is that where I went with this? What an asshole she is. Do we believe this is genuinely what Catherine thinks, that she was the reason the movie was sexist? Or do we think this is the word of a person so desperate to salvage her career and escape a decade of bullying, she was making a BS apology? It just makes me really sad that she had to say this, because I do feel like in a way to preserve her career and move forward, she did a quote-unquote half to say something and address Mm -hmm. that moment. And I feel like she found the perfect way to do it, but... 
And I say perfect because it's a way of her apologizing, but also still not completely backtracking. But here's the thing. She brings up this idea of how Judd allows everybody to be very free and improvise. Okay, Mm -hmm. sure. But that was a cast of many, many men who've been doing comedy for a long time. And they're all in a very bro-y clique and have been making those movies for years. I don't know that it was that clear to someone like Catherine on set, for Mm -hmm. whom this was the first big movie she's doing, that you can improvise too, actually. And someone who also doesn't come from an improv improvisational or comedy background to go ahead and do it. And if you don't do it too bad, that's what your character is. That's what's on the page. What's on the page is still the script. The script was still written by this guy. So like, oh, it's still the characterization. Even if you're improvising, you can't really leave that character on the page out of it. That's still how she was written. So it just makes me so sad to hear her do this. But I get it too. I I do think she kind of needed to do it. Yeah. She had to debase herself to salvage her career. She had to fall on her sword. Um, I don't believe for a second that she truly believes this. Although I do think she's internalized the criticism she's received to the point where she kind of seems to hate herself now and so is has no pride left and is fine to say these things. Like the poor woman has probably played it over in her mind for years, right? Like it's so sad. I mean, her biggest mistake was having opinions. And now she's apologizing for them. And the other unfortunate thing was this was the spring of 2017. And then Me Too happened that fall. So if she just waited another six months, she probably wouldn't have had to apologize. And the next time someone brought this up to her, she could have said like, listen, this is why we need Me Too, because these things are real. And a lot of guys who are otherwise good guys have internalized sexism to the point where they're are very few good roles for women in Hollywood. And that affects the way women are perceived in society as a whole. Like, honestly, she could have had such a moment. She could have had such a redemption arc, but she wasn't psychic and didn't know that Me Too was about to happen. And clearly nobody was ever going to give her that ground, right? That's like true. nobody could ever look at this person and say, oh, she might have a point there. <laughs> like that's where I keep getting stuck with this whole thing. And I've again, I've thought about it for years. And Megan Fox is another very good example of this. Somebody who mm-hmm. spoke up quite a while ago during the early Transformers era about the director, mm-hmm. Michael Bay, and her experience yeah. and how much she felt um, discriminated against. She has spoken up in very similar ways to Catherine and she's been, she's gotten backlash in very similar ways too and she's also had to offer up quote-unquote semi-apologies and fall on her sword it's bullshit these two women really paid a price and i i just i can't stand it um and you're right i mean it really is all about timing but that says a lot doesn't it that again you need to have a chorus of women behind you you can't be the only one yeah you can't do this alone you need solidarity and it's so sad that i you know, listen, Catherine is an incredibly privileged woman on many levels. She's still rich. She's white. She's beautiful. But it is sad that she was all alone there and people just ganged up on her. And now she has these anxiety issues and has to recant what she said, essentially. Uh, Like, I don't know. I just feel it's kind of sad. It is sad. I want to read this little thing, actually. So this is from um, earlier this year. This is from April. Mm -hmm. So Ellen Pompeo went on a podcast called Tell Me um, with Kate Walsh, who we love. Mm. So the both of them were on the episode. They were talking about everything that happened with Catherine, and they were both saying that they hated what happened to her, and they could sympathize because they were working. This is, by the way, going back to the Mm -hmm. Grey's Anatomy thing. They're talking about how they would do 17-hour days. It was difficult for everybody. And one of the things Ellen said was that um, Catherine was very ballsy for speaking up the way that she did during that Mm -hmm. whole period of time. So she said, quote, had she said that today, she'd be a 
complete hero, but she's ahead of her time, um, made a statement about our crazy hours, and of course, let's slam a woman and call her ungrateful. But the truth is, she was 100% right, and it's absolutely correct what she said. So even her co-stars are backing her up, but they're doing it years later. It's too late because Hollywood is so sexist that you can't have a, you know, if you're Robert Danny Jr., you can be Iron Man in your middle age. Katherine Heigl can't play like, Captain Marvel in her middle age. That's not the way Hollywood works. Yeah, she really lost like a period of time there. And I hate that. Yeah, she lost the decade where she was supposed to be a superstar or to cement herself as a superstar so she could later get legacy roles. And that it's not going to happen for her. Um, And listen, most people will never be as successful as she she could have been. So I'm not crying a river, but it it does tell you a lot about sexism in Hollywood and how it's deeply entrenched. Um, So Catherine didn't just adopt a more diplomatic tone in reference to Judd. In Lynette Rice's How to Save a Life, The Inside Story of Grey's Anatomy, the actress admits withdrawing from Emmy's contention, quote, ambushed her colleagues. So she has been more conciliatory about that, too, in that recent book, Mm -hmm. as admitted, like, you know, it just isn't good workplace behavior to, like, surprise your colleagues with a statement saying that the show has gone downhill. And I agree with her. And you know what? This is the kind of thing that you do when you're young and you don't have work experience, as much work experience or as much wisdom. And later you realize you were a jerk. And I still don't think that anybody in their 20s who makes mistakes should be punished forever for that, even if it is unkind. Yeah, I agree. Um, The newly contrite Catherine isn't having a career renaissance per se, but her IMDb page is a little more respectable. She joined the cast of USA's Suits for its final season, adding star power to the series after Meghan Markle's departure. While shooting Suits in Toronto, she also demonstrated fantastic taste, going on a date with her husband to La Banane on Ossington. Uh, And can I just say, I was obsessed with everything Catherine did while she was in Toronto. I even wrote an article for Toronto Life about it. I love that you did, because that is your beat, Catherine Heigl on the streets of Toronto. That is Sarah's beat. I was so excited. Like, when she went to see fireworks on holidays, when she went and took her kids for smoothies at Freshie, like, I was all in. I love it, too. And I also, by the way, I love that she was the replacement for Meghan Markle. Like, think about that. Mm -hmm. That's what they did to keep the buzz for the show. You know, it was a good choice. It, they had a solid yeah, I think it was. final season by that show standards because it's also not a great show. <laughs> no, it's not. But it was smart of her to join an ensemble because, again, she nobody wanted to see her as a lead on TV at that. I hate to say it, but... No, they didn't. She needed to eat humble pie, and, and she yeah. did. Yeah. Um, today, Catherine portrays a world-renowned talk show host on Firefly Lane, a mediocre Netflix series that was nonetheless renewed for a second season. While the show is not great, Catherine herself makes the most of the so-so material Material she's given, and in this case, she genuinely hasn't been given the material to warrant consideration for an Emmy nomination. Yeah. So, no. uh, genuinely not. No, not at all. <laughs> White male actors like Rob Pattinson have been disparaging their past work and still succeeding for, you know, since the beginning of Hollywood, basically. I mean, Rob was cast as the Batman, so no one punished him for talking smack about um, Twilight. No. Plus, think of all the male actors who've broken the law or caused real chaos on set, like young Robert Downey Jr., 
RDJ later became freaking Iron Man. Yeah, I mean, somebody like Robert Downey Jr., Robert Pence, they, they just get cooler, right, for being chaotic mm-hmm. and yeah. they become more interesting. But women become bitches. So mm-hmm. it's a really infuriating double standard. And this, these are the perfect examples, Sarah. Like, I just find it really maddening. And hey, side note, I love Robert Downey Jr. and I love watching him and things. But Robert Pattinson is another fun one because, again, my personal opinion, the man can't act. So not that talented. He's not remotely talented talented, but still he gets to have uh, more and more opportunities. And it's just so mad. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then there's Mm -hmm. Catherine Heigl, who's even fallen on her sword. And is she ever going to be able to kind of get that road back? I don't know. I really hope so. I think she has missed that point of being a superstar, but she might be able to skip ahead to the point of having some good drama roles. But it might be tough because Firefly Lane isn't getting anybody anywhere. She could win a surprise Best Supporting Actress Oscar in like her 70s. I could see that 70s. happening for her. Oh, God. I, no, I know. I think that Hollywood is not done punishing her. I, I agree <laughs> This redemption arc is going to take a while, I think. Yeah, some people get blacklisted forever. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the thing is, she is talented. And she's no matter how good. mediocre the role she's doing, she remains a solid performer, right? Which I think means that if Hollywood ever really comes to terms with how sexist it was to her, she might be able to get that kind of recognition and win some awards or get some better parts. Well, she's amazing in Firefly Lane. I watched that whole terrible season and I really, like, that was a tough thing that I did. And I did it for Catherine because (laughs) she's so good in it. And here's the other thing, though, because I do think she's still in that place of she is not going to take anything other than a lead and she's not going to take something that has a lot of meat to it. So even though the show is mm-hmm. not great, the character is pretty amazing as far as like somebody who is really substantial, probably fun to yeah. play for an actress and also yeah. very headstrong and bold in this show. It oozes like Catherine Michael. Like it's very clearly what she wanted. Mm-hmm. I just, I hope that it's not too far. I think what she needs is like a director or a writer to kind of see her and pluck her up and be like, okay, let's do this. I'm optimistic for her just because she is so committed and so talented and she always puts in the work. So I think people like that, if you put in the work long enough, like something's bound to hit, but maybe I'm being too idealistic. Maybe this is just delusional. This is interesting because this adds to what we're saying about what she wants, but she did sign on to do a limited series about Victoria Woodhull, who Mm -hmm. was the first female candidate to be president of the U.S. So I feel like this woman knows what she wants to play. Mm -hmm. Let's just hope she gets to that point and she's producing herself, right? So that's really the way to go when you're in this position. You need to take your career into your own hands. So hell yeah to producing. Yeah. Absolutely. In 2016, Seth Rogen discussed his former co-star's comments about knocked-up sexism with The Hollywood Reporter, and this is very interesting. While Seth says he felt betrayed by Catherine's 08 comments, and this is like almost a decade later, he's overall sympathetic. He says, I respect the fact that perhaps she realizes that it has hurt her career, and I don't want that to have happened to her at all because I've said a thousand stupid things and I really like her. And it's true. Superbad, the 07 movie he wrote with Evan Goldberg, made repeated use of the anti-gay F-word and treated its female characters like sex objects. But Seth has been allowed to evolve past the mistakes he made in his 20s. Seth is still making movies and has blossomed into something of a rom-com king, thanks to the 2019 movie The Long Shot, where he plays a speechwriter for the U.S. Secretary of State, played by Charlize Theron. While Charlize is fantastic in the movie— One can't help but think if things had gone a little differently, the part easily could have gone to Catherine, and she would have killed it too. Mm. 
considering his roles in comedies like The Long Shot, Neighbors, Neighbors 2, like Father, and even movies like Sarah Polly's Take This Waltz, does Seth Rogen sort of have the career Katherine Heigl was supposed to have? What a fun question. I've never thought about that. And again, I want to say I'm a very, very big Seth Rogen fan, minus his blunders of the past. I do think he's evolved from it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fun. I think he kind of does, and I hate to say yeah. it. But here's the thing. She's also a really good dramatic actress, which you've made the point several times. Seth has really slotted himself in comedy, aside from Take This Waltz, which he is incredible in. You um, right. Yeah. It's, again, you know, comedy actors, they can do drama the best mm-hmm. of them. But I would pay good money to see them reunite now for a movie. Can you imagine how buzzy that would be, too? Like, just to see them both have these good, juicy roles. I would love to see that. And here's what makes me not fully forgive Seth here. He has the power to do that. He produces his own projects. He's incredibly influential. He could cast her, right? Yeah. Um, I think it would get them good publicity. Extremely. And I think that it's, in terms of karma, the right thing to do. Uh, But he hasn't done it. So Seth, please write a role for Catherine, a meaningful role. Even, you know what, she could have played I Love Lisa Kudrow, but she even could have done the Lisa Kudrow cameo in Neighbors. Yeah. Like, she could have done that. There's so many opportunities to help give her a leg up and to help her restore her reputation to say, she's not hard to work with. I worked with her in the past and I will work with her again, right? He could resurrect her career. He has the power to do that. And that same movie made both of them famous, right? He became famous because of Knocked Up, not just because he was good in it, but she was good in it too. They were like lightning in a bottle. They were fantastic together. And so he owes a lot of career success to her. And I don't know if he has ever fully processed that. And I think that she deserves better treatment from him. I do too. But then, you know, now as you were saying that, I'm picturing if I were her, it would also really, you'd have to swallow a lot to then be made Mm -hmm. an offer, a life-changing offer by this guy. And then be Mm -hmm. like, okay, yes. And then it just changes your life again. Though I do agree, it would just be so amazing. But the bottom line is she needs other people to be willing to do this and partner up with her. And that could also be studios and other networks and I don't know. I I really hope we can see that. To anybody in Hollywood who's listening, give Catherine something. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Or even like female actresses of a certain age, you know, to say that, who are trying to do their own projects. Like, why can't she be cast in something with Reese Witherspoon and Nicole Kidman? Like, why can't she be in the next Big Little Lies, right? Like, she could do that. I love all the people in that show, but she could have played the Laura Dern part. Let's get Reese Witherspoon on the phone. That's what we need to do. (laughs) This is not about us, Reese, Catherine. Catherine. (laughs) Cast Catherine. I love Laura Dern, but I could also picture Catherine yelling at her husband, I will not not be rich. That's like, I could see it. A beautiful idea. I mean, I would never want Laura replaced, but now I'm loving that idea. Just add another wife, you know? Let's add another one to the batch. We can give her some traumatic storyline. I would love to see that. Absolutely. Yeah. Season three, centered around Catherine, have her, like, murder her personal trainer or something. (laughs) She could sell it. She could do it. She should just go down the lane of playing the shoes and the bitches that everyone already thinks she is. Just leave it. Just go fully into it. They already believe it. Let's go all in. Or do a reboot of Desperate Housewives where she plays Brie. Oh, wow. Sarah, this is simply too much. (laughs) I love that idea, too. Catherine's agents call us. We have so many ideas for her. We should just get on the line with Catherine, really. Catherine, if you're listening, I want to be your friend. (laughs) Sadaf does too. Like, we would be good friends. I want to be your manager, Uh, your agent. Let me make every decision in your life moving forward because I can do it. 
that's at the end. I think we really do have her best interest we at do. heart. And I don't think other people do. Including her mom, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and now the time has come for Hindsight is 2022, the segment where Sadaf and I discuss what we might have done differently if we were the subjects of today's story. I shouldn't have done that. So Sadaf, let's start with you. Very selfishly, I would simply like for this woman to just spend the rest of her life making incredible rom-coms. That's all Mm -hmm. I want. Even though I agree that she's an incredible dramatic actress, let's just give it up. Let's just go full down this road. Star with every great guy, every not-so-great guy. Be the Tom Cruise of rom-coms, you know? Establish Mm -hmm. new male stars. Be that girl. Be the next Meg Ryan, the next Julia Roberts, because I do think that that was what she could have been. And when I think about the fact that she should have been Julia Roberts 2.0, I want to cry, but there's still time. I still, life as we know it in 27 dresses are just like, they're literally just like a reach away from me. Like I have those on Mm -hmm. all the time and I want more. Okay, Catherine. I cry every time I watch Life as We Know It. Every the scene time. where the baby calls her mama, and at first she says, no, I'm Holly, and the baby keeps calling her mama, and she's like, that's right, baby girl, I'm your mama. I was like, I am crying just thinking about it. That makes me emotional now, just thinking about it. Oh, my it's God. It's such a heartbreaking movie, but also funny, and it's actually a really good portrayal of adjusting to parenthood. Now that I have a child, I understand that it's, it's like... By movie standards, not completely unrealistic. Well, I mean, and again, like that's partly because of Catherine. I maybe it sounds ridiculous mm-hmm. at this point, but movies like that that have technically a bare bones plot line, they're good because the actors are good. So now what about you, sir? What would you change? Honestly, I think that, and if she'd had a better manager, I think like a real manager, not her mother, I think she wouldn't have made those comments to VF when she did in the way that she did. I think you have to be a bit more cemented. And even then, like, it was just too soon, right? Society wasn't in that place. And I, I think that... Yes, in some ways it was noble that she started that conversation because no one was having it and it was a conversation we needed to have, but no one was ready to listen to it. Like it did not move the dial in terms of representation for women in movies because it was way too soon. She was just too ahead of her time. So I would have been a little bit more selfish and thought about how can I become as powerful as friggin' possible so that I can produce the projects I want to produce that will change the way women are represented. Like I would have been... I would have tried to play the long game, but I'm saying that as a woman in my 30s who's worked for longer. Catherine was in her 20s, so I I don't really hold it against her that she made that mistake and wanted to express her opinions right now and wanted to make change right now because I was like that in my 20s too. And sometimes it was at my own expense because you can't single-handedly change a workplace or an industry. And she didn't have allies. She didn't have male allies. She didn't really have female allies who were in the position to speak up and help her, right? Like she didn't have anyone who was there to provide solidarity. So I think that had she been a bit more diplomatic about Knocked Up and Grey's Anatomy, she would be Julia Roberts today. And if she had become Julia Roberts, she would have had so much power to shape the way women are represented in Hollywood. Amen. Couldn't have put it better myself. So, this brings us to the end of today's episode. As always, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Now, if you want to hear more from me, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Sadafason. Sarah, where can our listeners find you? Listeners can find me at Sarah Sahagian. And of course, we'd like to issue a heartfelt thank you to our wonderful producer, Joe. 
If you liked this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe so other listeners can find us too. This will be our last episode for a few weeks. While we're on break, please enjoy our back catalog. Keep checking our feed though, because new episodes will be out soon. Thanks for listening. 